work hard, do your uni, but at the end of the day, you'll go, you'll step out these doors and you've got to chat to someone. And any idea you have, you can make a into a reality just by sharing it and getting people inspired, basically. Welcome to Screw It, Just Do It, brought to you by Startup You, inspiring and supporting entrepreneurs to make a full-time living doing what you love. I'm your host, Alex Chisnell, fellow entrepreneur, Virgin mentor, and founder of Startup You, the regional partner of Virgin Startup, providing startup funding, mentoring, and support. The main thing is, if you have a, if you have a good idea for a business, you know, as I say, screw it, just do it and give it a go. And you may fall flat in your face, but pick yourself up and keep trying until you succeed. Each episode features the stories from two entrepreneurs at different stages in their journey who talk us through their successes and failures. You get to take on board all of their learnings and none of the failure. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hayes with the number one recruiting experts in the UK. Whether you're searching for your perfect job or looking to scale your business by building the perfect team, go to hayes.co.uk quoting Startup You. Today's first guest is Rupert Holloway, founder of Conquer Spirit, one of the most recognizable brands at the forefront of the new gin revolution. Rupert tells me how he went from miserable surveyor to Dorset's number one gin distiller, disrupting the drinks industry with his brand of classic dry gin with a twist of Dorset. Conquer Spirit can be found everywhere, from farm shops to Fortnum and Masons. Rupert talks me through his personal journey, from a one-man band foraging, distilling and marketing, to raising finance, building a team, building a recognizable brand, and now diversifying by launching his first coffee liqueur. Here's Rupert to tell us more. Yeah, so Conquer Spirit, in, in, a, in a nutshell, is uh, with Dorset's first gin distillery. We bought out the Dorset Dry Gin in um, April 15. But a year and a half prior to that, I was a... Uh, I was a chartered surveyor, so I was a yeah, I was a quantity surveyor. Worked in construction, sat at a desk, commuted to Southampton every day, wore a suit, um, and wore a big frown on my face as well because I was basically miserable. Um, so, in in essence, just took a had one of those. Mo- I was m- moaning for a long time, and then realised, you know what, it's time to make a change, and I'm kind of committed to finding an idea that would take me working for myself if not doing another career that I actually thoroughly enjoyed Um, and then after some crazy ideas came up with um, finally landed on the concept that you can buy local beers across Dorset and what have you but at the time they were just like the main two brands big gin brands um, available and just thought that's mad so set about setting up a, a gin distillery in Dorset which used locally foraged ingredients you know, we do all the labelling and the filling and distilling all on site. Every bottle's hand signed, so it's a kind of real, genuine, no fuss, kind of straight talking, classic gin, but just with a kind of local, local twist, basically. So um, that's a really big nutshell, isn't it? But yeah, yeah basically, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's all good though. That's a that's a nut and a half. But basically, <laughs> that's us. Um, that's us, and and where we are now, really. And tell us about the um, the ingredients that are particular to your your gin. Yeah, so it's not 
So although we kind of wanted to create a new new gin, um, the Dorset Dry, it still was really important to me that it was like a classic gin. Mm-hmm. So um, so something people still recognised as something they'd have in their G and T or a martini. So not a flavoured gin essentially. Um, so it's still got a backbone of like what you'd expect in a London Dry. So you know it's very it's juniper berry lead in flavour. Um, it's got citrus notes. It's dry, um, but the Dorset element comes in an additional three botanicals, which kind of grow around the county and are very kind of herbaceous and sort of fresh. So kind of gives you that kind of Dorset coastline feel. So it's Mm. um, gorse flowers. So these gorse flowers um, flower all across the coastline and we forage them from the clifftops of Bournemouth, uh, right the way from South Bournemouth, right the way to the pier and also in the New Forest. And then we've got marsh samphire, which is, uh, grows all over the place, right the way from Key Haven in Limington to kind of Pool Harbour area. And you've got elderberries, which grow all the, you know, all amongst all the sort of forests and sort of inland. And those sort of three flavours, yeah, just kind of brighten the gin up a bit. So it's dry, but this with these brighter, uh, sort of fruitier flavours. Um, so that's basically the Dorset dry in, 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 in short, yeah. Thanks. And it's very much available everywhere, not just in Dorset, obviously. Yeah, yeah. No, it's had, um, it's kind of exceeded my expectations, really. I wanted to kind of be, you know, I wasn't sort of looking to create a local product, you know, for local, local product for local people in mm. sort of in, in, but it's really spread well out sort of nationally. Um, and it sits in every, everywhere from um, a kind of small independent wine shop to a farm shop. Um, to sitting in Fulton and Masons, uh, we just we, we just got launched into Harvey Nichols, um, and you know we're in hotels like the Hilton, right the way down to really nice places like River Cottage, River Cottage uh, headquarters, where we're the only gin stop there. So this is a really broad appeal, and it goes in it, and we're creeping slowly but surely north of London, and we send out you know packs of gin out to like Scotland and, North, and Northern Ireland, and all sorts of wine shops that are starting to catch on to the way of way of conga gin and how did you start out for somebody you know here at virgin we get numerous applications for people looking to start up food and drink businesses um and how do you make that first sale what would your advice be um making a first sale yeah i mean we didn't make a first sale until a year and a half after the idea so um i wouldn't hang although obviously sales are important i wouldn't hang your hat on the importance of making a first sale it's the first step is really getting yourself known getting Mm. your brand known so while i couldn't sell the gin because i didn't have a, a distillery you know all set up and licensed through the hmrc I was out there sort of telling people about it, t- testing early initial recipes. And so prior to the date where I could actually sell, I had a whole whole pack of customers and people want just waiting for the gin. And some people were waiting literally 12 months. They were like almost getting to the point of angry that it wasn't available yet. So if you can get people like that, then that's kind of key, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so just, yeah, get out there and, sh- and, and don't be afraid to communicate your idea because – you know, it's your idea. People aren't going to steal it, and you're, they're not going to execute it as well as you. Um, and just get people behind you and waiting eagerly, anticipating its release, whatever it is. And you very much bootstrapped um, from day one, so rather than um, over overspending on things that didn't need yeah. overspending on. Um, tell us a little bit about how the operation works at the moment. Uh, how many got in the team, and what? Yeah. Who was the first hire? Really, those those are pretty good questions for those starting out. Yeah. So. Um, 
I didn't start off with a kind of, you know, savings account or a trust fund and thought, how am I going to spend this? It was like I came up with the idea and then it was like, oh, I need some money. Um, so I kind of really took kind of comfort in the idea that there's always money for good ideas, if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so pursued um, things like grants, startup loan, um, friends, family, chipping in a few credit cards and just literally crept over the line. I remember um, having to go to my dad for an extra, I think it was like 1,500 quid just to get some bottles in so that I could sell the, the bottle the following week. Mm. Um, so we crept over the line and then grow, grow organically. So when we could afford a slightly better labeling machine, we, we did it. Yeah. And it was me on my own right the way up until sort of four months after we launched um, that was so it was extremely hard, literally foraging, distilling, labeling, marketing, wow. delivering <laughs> everything. Uh, so it's pretty mad. And then, thank God, uh, basically my best mate from school, a guy called Fred Gamper, he turns out he was disgruntled in his job as a um, clinical scientist as well. So he was up in Oxford. He started doing the old event with me and then turned around and said, you know what, I want in. And he just came and started with us and he's been a kind of absolute, you know, backbone to what we've been doing ever since. Um, so, yeah, it's been been really good in that way. Um, and then we've and now we've got uh, an additional additional Luke, Luke Lamb, who joined us um, in the last, uh, well, I think last July, I believe. And we're soon to take on someone else to kind of take on a bit more of an events role. So, you know, slowly but surely built up people that can come in and ease the pressure off me. Um, and, um, and yeah, I, I kind of say to people, it's kind of in almost a good thing that you don't start with any money because you don't, you don't spend it. You yeah. spend that spending money so wisely if you don't have it. And um, I often hear people talking about their startup fund and, and where they're going to spend it and just think, you've got too much money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're funneling it in the wrong directions because it's easy and it's there. So, yeah, there's a lot to be said for being very lean and, and skinned. And skin, yeah. Um, and with regards to yourself and your story, um, I'm, I'm assuming it's very much been about building relationships as well with, with people like mixologists when you, you're talking about launching the new uh, liqueur. Yeah, yeah, completely. I mean, I, I went into, often do sort of chats with the entrepreneur school down at Bournemouth College. And I think one of the, I was asked a question about it and they said, you know, what's the most important thing? And I said, just your ability to speak to people and build yeah. and that for them to like you. Mm. You know, it's a, it's a, it really is as simple as that. You look at any, any business is done is basically one-on-one personal exchanges um, and built on trust and friendship and um, people wanting to do business with you. Um, so if that's not there, uh, then people, people, you know, people don't like you or they don't like the way your brand talks to them, mm. then they're not going to like your products. Um, so yeah, being able to chat is what is worth way more than any kind of, you know, uh, qualification out of uni or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's very true. And and how do you go about now engaging with your audience? You're talking about going out more into the community. Um, I'm thinking potentially festivals. Is, is is that right? Yeah. So we we are. You know, it's it's quiet at the moment. But as of April, most weekends and evenings we are out with in everywhere from a little cheese festival in in Dorset to um, yeah, kind of running a G and T bar at a big festival, what have you. Um, and every every kind of place where we meet is just an opportunity for people to meet us 
hear from the horse's mouth what we do and what have you. And we kind of coined the idea that we don't necessarily, although we do make gin and sell gin, what we're doing is we're kind of creating experiences. So we create experiences through the drinks we make. And also when we do an event, we're creating an experience that they'll will be, you know, warmly remembered and hopefully encourage people to, um, when they see that, you know, conga behind the bar, it reminds them of that event and happy feelings and order, order a G&T, hopefully. Yeah, without, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, <laughs> and... So coming up to two years, um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, any any moments in that time? Any any dark days? Any any sort of challenges that um, you'd have advice on on overcoming that that rear their head that you perhaps didn't expect to see initially? Yeah, it's a tricky one because we we get asked things like you know what's been the worst day, what's been the worst challenge, and they all <laughs> sound very bad, but they kind of all blend into one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. It's all it's all um, it's all a challenge. Um, but you, so if you take that, um, if you take the approach, to the challenge, the, the almost the challenge is the reason why you're doing it. You know, you, you're in it to be challenged and to have exciting things happen every day. Yeah. You know, you don't want a smooth ride. And um, yeah, so I we we just me and Fred. There's a book I think we read it somewhere, but we use we always use this term lean in. Um, it's basically, you know, if you le- if you lean into a problem, you won't get pushed over. You know, if you're on your heels, you're hesitating. So we just take we just take it day by day and just take it on the chin. But certainly no regrets. Um, I think um, we've been very lucky. Well, I don't know whether it's lucky or we, whether we've you know created it, but we've got a product which people really really love and a brand that people really love. So we've had a very positive couple of years. I think the next five years will, will be, be the kind of test as, um, as perhaps, um, you know, people's, because there's a lot of gin, gin about, there's a lot of, been a lot of mm. chat about gin and we, I think that it will be the strong brands that kind of last the test of time, if that makes sense. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say to you probably God in the last 12 months had, you know, more about gin than any other um exactly. uh, yeah alcohol out there be that spirit wine or or otherwise um so you, you obviously do see that as a, a challenge and i suppose it's staying true to what's got you here in the first place rather than yeah. trying to do anything outside of the box um yeah i kind of i literally when i set out on this i kind of recognized the the, the inkling of the start of this gin thing that was happening mm. but knew it wouldn't last so i kind of I kind of did everything we did from, you know, how, how nice our labels are to how good the gin is to the, the way we talk about the brand online and stuff. Everything is done in a way, you know, that's the, you know, focusing on being the best in the sense that when, when the tides turn, there's bound to be some brands that suffer from, from the lack of favorite, you know, the lack of chat about gin. Um, and it's also why we diversified. So it's also why we've gone off down the other route and done the coffee liqueur because apart from the fact that um, I want to talk about something else, <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Because there's only so many times you can say the word juniper in a day before you turn. <laughs> um, you know, coffee is a great subject, and it's um, it, it's such a there's a real appetite, and there always will be a real appetite for for coffee and and talking about coffee and the, using coffee in a different way. But we're launching a um, a cold brew coffee liqueur. Which is a bit of a curveball from our gin. Yeah. Uh, but um, basically, there is it's going to be one of the first of its kind in the UK. So a solely 
coffee flavored liqueur so it doesn't rely on sort of uh, flavorings and vanillas and things like that and caramels to kind of make the coffee flavor it's it's simply dorset roasted coffee uh, and our kind of grain spirit that we distill here mm-hmm. awesome and where does the where does the coffee come from uh, the coffee so we've been working with a uh, dorset roaster called uh, bean press um who are just kind of maestro coffee geeks and we've just pinned down uh, ethiopian and basically a blend of ethiopian and brazilian coffees so that you get kind of brazilian giving kind of what you'd expect kind of dark rich kind of chocolatey intense coffee and then the ethiopian is, is kind of this kind of really bold and fruity um so it's kind of yeah we spent literally a year working it out how to make it and how to get the best blend and how to get that across in the spirit which has been really hard um so so yeah we're really really excited i bet and where did that idea come from was that a bunch of ideas that you excuse the pun distilled down to this one idea (laughs) it's a bit of a tricky one really we um I kind of as soon as we brought out the cough, uh, the, the the Dorset Dry months later, people are sort of asking us what's next. And I was just, <laughs> just to think, give me a break. Yeah. Um, and then, um, so I've been thinking long and hard about what our next move would be, and I just was re- really reluctant to go down the route of like flavored gins or just a variation of the same, like a navy strength or an aged version of our existing product. And thought, no, we're going to do something a bit different. And then just. Um, the popularity of the likes of the like, espresso martini became more and more apparent as I as I sort of went, yeah. went around hotels and things, and they were all serving these marti- espresso martinis using I won't name drop, but you know um, the kind of the, the one coffee liqueur you know about, and just very kind of uh, uninspiring coffee like flavored in inverted commas yeah. product, whereas. It's not actually, you know, it's made with kind of coffee essences rather than literally brewed coffee like ours. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was really the inspiration. I thought, well, why are we using this, um, you know, global global product that's kind of been shipped in? And when we could do, have Dorset roasted coffee and um, something that's a bit more honest. Yeah, yeah, no, it sounds, sounds amazing. And which part of the business gives you the most pleasure? Um, it's funny because when I, when I set out on... On run on like launching my own thing I've realized that you know I'd, I'd, I'd never realized I was a kind of business interested in business but it's it's the business side of things that I'm fascinated with it's the kind of strategy it's the um, yeah making things happen making new thing and exciting things happen yeah um, so you know I didn't set out on conquer thinking I'm going to be sat in front of a still making gin for the rest of my life. Although mm. I loved, I loved doing that. Yeah. My excitement that comes from, from talking to you now about the story and, and kind of imparting lessons learned. Um, for me, that's a real, a real joy going into like, um, the Bournemouth college and whatnot and, and saying to them, do you know what? Work hard, do your uni, but at the end of the day, you'll go, you'll step out these doors and you've got to chat to someone and any idea you have, you can make a into a reality just by sharing it and getting people inspired, basically. Um, so I like, yeah, I like, I like, I like that kind of um, that that element of it. That kind of it's quite exciting, I think. Mm. And, and what do you find works best uh, for your brands uh, with regards to business marketing side of things? Um, it's just 
it's funny because people sort of say, you know, what's your what's your marketing strategy? What's your target audience? What you're doing? And you think it's so kind of clinical. And mm. uh, and I think you know, I boil it down to if you've got a business which you can show show it for what it is. So in a sense, put it all online without any filters, then it markets itself. Um, yeah. So like that that kind of transparency. You know, our marketing isn't, oh, let's think of a campaign. We can convince people we're, you know, we're doing this certain thing. We just take photos of what we do. And yeah. people like it because they see that it's uh, three guys in a little unit, hand-picking gorse, hand-labeling bottles. So I'd say it was just on, honestly and transparency. And we've got, we're blessed by being able to do that. And the kind of big, big corporate band, um, big corporate brands, obviously, that's a challenge for them because they've got to create it. Yeah. Whereas um, we, we don't need to create it. We just need to show it as for what it is. Cool. And if you, if you could have one piece of advice to give to your, your 18 year old self after school before embarking on the, uh, yeah. the journey, what would that be? It's a real, it's a really hard one actually. Cause I kind of, now I'm doing what I'm doing. I sometimes look back at my meandering career today and think they were kind of errors you know that oh, I wish I hadn't done that because I did biology and then I did construction. You think? Maybe okay, I so this is career number three. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so maybe, awesome. I, maybe I would have told myself um, not to do a biology degree, but then you know I would. I, if I hadn't done a biology degree, I probably wouldn't be sitting here because yeah, you know, it puts you in front of the people that you've met in the past. And so yeah, it's. Um, I would say. Um, relax, it will work out <laughs> because I like it. Yeah, you kind of you're, you're told, aren't you, by school and parents sometimes that you know, go get a job, go get qualified, go get a job, mm. sort of thing. And that's but actually, if you're doing something you enjoy, you'll make money. So I would I would have focused less on like acad- real traditional academia and maybe just followed pursuits and things that I really enjoyed. Today's podcast is brought to you by Safri Shampness, a top 20 firm of chartered accountants and registered fiduciaries. They pride themselves on consistently providing effective solutions to their entrepreneurial clients, not only on taxation and financial matters, but on business in general. Contact them at safri.com, quoting Startup You. I mean, I mean, Virgin Startup have been really supportive towards me. I, mean, I think I was the youngest person to receive a, a loan from the company when I uh, when I applied so um, and without that funding it would have been very difficult just to to get the initial clients and initial traction so yeah thank you <laughs> uh, no worries yep so my name's David Humpston uh, I run a business called Viewpoint Videos and we help people share exciting experiences through video uh, I'm excited to scale up the business um, just finished repaying um, a virgin startup loan so business is healthy um and um yeah i just want to scale it up and bring it to more sites okay and when you say scale up how, how does that um look for your business model what does that entail you having to do uh so basically we set up at uh, experience sites like uh, go-karting or skydiving or paintballing and um put in place a service where customers can pay a little bit extra to get their whole experience on video so mm-hmm. probably something like an, an action pack gopro video so um, scaling up involves setting up with new new clients so that um, our facility is in place and uh, available to their customers, really. So a, a lot of new relationship forming, I'm assuming. 
Yeah, it's probably the best way to do that is cold calling, but uh, I'm not a fan of cold calling. I, I find a lot of clients just through through word of mouth, really, which is which is really good. Okay, and whereabouts geographically um, are you? Uh, I'm from Ellsbury in Bucks, sort of northwest of London. And uh, with regards to um, the sites that your business is at, how far, um, what kind of range of territory do you do you stretch to? Um, so one in Bristol, one in Brighton, uh, three in London, um, one that's local in Aylesbury, but um, starting to grow. We've got uh, two in the pipeline where uh, with a, a karting company in Scotland and um, a racing company in Germany. So it'd be nice to, to grow it to other countries. Absolutely, and, and and what does a a new client need to look like for you? Essentially, what's the what's the sweet spot? Good question. Um, normally, a experience type venue where, where you're doing something that's quite exciting and quite action packed, um, and where they have quite high footfall, um, generally quite a high value experience. So, something ideal is, is like a like a supercar driving day where mm-hmm. the customer's paying quite a lot to, to do the experience and it's going to be quite memorable. Um, that might be something where they'd want a really action-packed video that they could share on social media. And is it quite a competitive space at the moment? Um, not really. Um, got a few competitors, but luckily we're, well, I like to think we're quite a lot better than our competitors. So, um, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, competition hasn't really been a problem. But then again, it is a very niche market. Um, yeah. it's not a, it hasn't got um, you know huge conquering the world type potential but um, yeah potential to, to have a few hundred thousand customers maybe that would certainly do it I think yes. for any business <laughs> uh, and, and when did you decide um, to, to become an entrepreneur and essentially set up a business um, another good question uh, well probably while I was in school um about five or six years ago um I used to compete in in motorsport uh I used to race uh junior rally cars and I got really addicted to that and I did quite well and got some backing from the governing body um and uh, and then I ran out of money to get to compete in motorsport but um there are a lot of similarities between competing in a sport and entrepreneurship I think um you know, it's competitive. Um, it can be a lot of you know exciting moments, and um, yeah, in a lot of cases, you're you're trying to outcompete your your competition, and you have to be focused. So, um, I wanted to do something that was that was exciting, um, and where I could really create value for other people as well, because it's not so fulfilling driving, racing a car around in circles. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. When I was about eighteen, I, I wanted to get into entrepreneurship. Okay, and uh, you won the Peter Jones Entrepreneur of the Year Award. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he had um, he ran a competition where there were a few hundred entrants um, called uh, National Entrepreneur of the Year, um, and the prize was five thousand pounds seed funding. Um, so I pitched for that and pitched in front of, of Peter uh, and a panel, which was incredibly nerve wracking. I um, bet. Yeah, and uh, yeah, luckily won the the five grand to 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 start up. Brilliant, and so you met Peter Jones, and he met Richard Branson. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, wow, yeah, meeting Peter was 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 uh, was quite exciting. It was a very long boardroom table. Can't remember how long it was. Probably about. It felt like it was ten meters long, and he was sitting at the end, 
and I was standing <laughs> on a on an X marked on the ground. It was uh, yeah, it was quite quite an interesting meeting. <laughs> Probably set out to be slightly intimidating. Uh, yeah, it was, it was all, it. all good fun. It was, a, it was yeah. a, sort of a, a mock-up of Dragon's Den, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and has the journey been so far since you, you, you set out at the age of 18 um, with this idea? Uh, a, a lot of ups and downs. Um, I remember when I uh, briefly met Richard um, in, uh, in May this year. He said... Uh, he said quite openly, you know, that the majority of you in this room will will, will fail, especially at your, at your first businesses. But don't be disheartened. You know, I'm not sure what the statistics are. I think it's something like eight out of ten or nine out of ten businesses fail. Um, yeah. But um, so I guess we're really lucky in that we're making a steady profit um, and have been going three years now. But um, yeah, there are, there are lots of ups and downs. And uh, what's what's been the the best entrepreneur moment so far? Um, we started with a a client called uh, Team Sport Karting, who have um, twenty two experienced sites in the UK, um, and they have quite a few hundred thousand customers a year coming through the doors that could that could buy our products. Um, and we've done quite a bit of work with them, um, so, so so getting that uh, that deal was really exciting. And is that at one site with the potential to expand into more? Uh, yeah, in, in three sites at the moment with the uh, potential to expand into more. Yeah, so it's just a, a trial at the moment. Uh, but yeah, they're really happy with it and we're, we're growing with them. So um, that's probably our, our biggest uh, biggest project growing at the moment. Um, um, what do you see as the biggest challenge uh, for growth in the, in the company? Um, biggest challenge for growth is, I mean... My age was a difficulty when I was starting up because it, I think it, young people in business generally don't have much credibility. Um, mm-hmm. But as soon as I started taking on bigger clients and we had some really successful campaigns in, in niche industries, we could then go to other clients in those industries and say, hey, look look, look what we've done. Um, but yeah, so, selling is um, uh, still a difficulty. I mean, I have a few people working for me part-time that are uh, helping to sell it but um yeah it is a niche market so that's the only that's the only thing holding it back really and what are your, your plans for this year just trying to acquire more clients at more sites is that is that the, the main priority um yeah and we're investing in our software a lot more this year as well um so we've, we've built up a bit of cash and paid off our uh, startup loan um so we're going to invest that in improving sort of automation of the software and making it easier to use and improving turnaround time as well. So, um, so customers can, you know, do the, do the karting experience or skydiving or whatever it might be. And then, um, within a few minutes, they get an email to their phone with the video already hosted on YouTube, you know, with already branded up and, and, uh, sort of trim edited, um, yeah. you know, within, within a few minutes. And I think that would be, um, really key. And you still take take an interest in in motor racing yourself, or just you, you, is it just that you still feel connected through the business and what you're doing now? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still connected to motorsport. Um, I want to start competing again, but I, I don't want to sidetrack the business into areas that aren't necessarily appropriate. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, still, still. Um, do do most sport related projects. We did a, a video with a guy called Terry Grant recently. He's got uh, 21 world records, and he was driving around uh, a race circuit on two wheels. He completed a whole lap on two wheels. 
wow which is quite quite a nutty experience to record we we had a drone chasing him and gopros all over his car and um, and then he had a he had a flat tire halfway around as well on 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 one of the two wheels on one of the two no and then uh, we actually had a camera mounted to the underside of the car and you could see sparks flying off from the wheels where the rim was grinding into the track and he was wobbling back and forth on two wheels and um we we published that online that had i think a, a couple million views Really? Um, wow, that's amazing. That's good traction. Yeah, but um, yeah. So I mean, I, I still sort of enjoy the motorsport side, but um, yeah, it, it creates some funny stories. But um, yeah, just just for fun, really. <laughs> and are you looking to to grow the team as well? Is that part of the part of the process with building scaling the business? Yeah, so I'd like to have uh, I'd like to bring on people full time into the a venue partnership manager role. Where they could uh, visit sites and br- bring on new clients and help to uh, help to manage them. Yeah, that sounds like it would be a be a good idea. And, and can I ask, just going back to the stories you had, how, how old are you now? Then uh, twenty one now. Yeah, so I've been okay. three years. Okay. Yeah, I just interviewed. Do you know Ollie Forsyth? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so he, I think he's just turned eighteen or nineteen. Yeah, I had him speak at one of our events and, and interviewed uh, him the other day and. Um, it's interesting again, just hearing people at different ages and the different challenges they mm-hmm. they've overcome, and whether that's um, you know age related as well. For example, like you say, whether people don't take you seriously, or whether you know speaking to other people, for example, who are uh, eighteen, nineteen, twenty in their industries, which is social media, mm-hmm. people take them very seriously because they know a lot more than they do, or they assume simply yeah. because of their age and they've only grown up with social media that they are. Um, the experts in that sphere, anyway. So I, I guess it works both ways. That makes sense. Yeah. And how does a how does a working day look like for you then? Is is every day relatively different, or is it pretty pretty straightforward for you? Um, relatively different, really. Um, depends if we've got a, a a filming project or whether we're just uh, you know managing customer service at at uh, at the sites offering the the product. Um, I mean, I, I I do quite a few site visits as well, just to. You know, check everything's working well at at, uh, at our client sites, but um, yeah, quite varied really. And what do you like to get up to in your downtime these days? Um, not not really. Just just meeting up with meeting up with friends that have uh, come back from uni. Um, almost all my friends went straight to uni rather than uh, starting a business or or going into work. So um, yeah, just sort of get, catch up with friends who are just graduating now, and uh, I might even offer them offer some of them an internship so right good um no i mean apart from the business i'm haven't got a huge amount on really i think it's important to be really focused on on uh, on what you're doing especially when it's a when it's a small business and, and you're building it up do you ever when you meet up with your friends and, and hear their stories wish you had gone to uni or are you 100 percent now this is definitely the right thing that um that i've done i'm not 100 percent sure either way i mean my friends that have, that have gone to uni seem to think that I've made the right decision. Um, I mean, uni life does sound quite fun, but if you if you've built up maybe thirty grand, forty grand of debt, and then there's a you know quite a poor jobs market as well, it's I guess it's pretty tough. Um, so I don't see why more people don't just uh, have a crack at, at starting a business and creating something people want. Well, it sounds like you're doing well, and um, we wish you continued success. Thank you.
This show is brought to you by RocketSpark, who make it easy for anyone to build a great-looking website. Each month, RocketSpark offer one lucky listener the opportunity to get a website absolutely free for the next six months to do some in-market testing of a new idea. Just go to rocketspark.com slash screwitjustdoit to enter. If you'd like the opportunity to attend one of our live events with some of the world's leading entrepreneurs, just go to startupu.co.uk and click on the events calendar. That's startupu with the letter U. From there, you'll be able to see what live events we've got coming up and book a ticket from as little as £5, which includes a complimentary drink and the opportunity to network with like-minded entrepreneurs. Hope to see you soon. If you're an entrepreneur looking for funding, mentoring or support, go to startupu.co.uk. And if you'd like to share your startup story, we'd love to hear from you. Just go to the contact page on startupu.co.uk and we'll be in touch. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and I'd love it if you left me a review of the show. To connect with me personally, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook at Alex Chisnell. Until the next show, remember don't wait. The time will never be just right. Action always beats intention. Thank you.